May of 2015, during a TED Talk in Portland, Oregon, Jia Jung introduced the world to the idea of making yourself rejection-proof. Rejection-proof, or at least rejection-resilient. Never being hurt when someone tells you no. Never being scared to ask for more money. Resilient against being dumped, being turned down for a job, or being told you're not enough. The lifestyle Jia Jung promised was so compelling, so irresistible, it launched his career as a rejection therapist. A rejection therapist. And keep in mind, Jia Jung holds a business degree, not a therapy degree. Jia Jung also has a book out called Rejection Proof, as well as an app and a website based on his teaching. And his original talk has been viewed over 9 million times between YouTube and the official TED website. If you haven't seen this TED talk, you owe it to yourself to check it out. In 15 minutes, he explains how he went out of his way to get rejected every day, at least once per day, over the course of 100 days. This Jung says would harden him against rejection. And he got these rejections by asking strangers for ridiculous things. Things they would be forced to say no to. We're going to get into the specifics of what Jung did to get rejected over the course of today's show. But according to Jung, after being rejected day after day, not only did he learn how to walk away, but he also learned to stick it out and ask for more. Imagine that. Having armor against being told no. A pain that's potentially hardwired into us from birth. You're listening to The Reengineered You. This is a podcast about self-empowerment and all the myths, lies, and misconceptions we tell ourselves. Then we use science and history to bust those myths and re-engineer a better you. I'm your host, Todd Laments, The Extrovert. And I'm the writer, researcher, and introvert, Joe Anthony, whose job it is to dig through the outer layer of no-duh on the internet and get to the juicy facts. This is a special two-part episode about rejection. In today's episode, part one, we're talking about resilience. Later in part two, we'll cover rejection in dating and mating. So check back with us next week to find out how you can master online dating, or even better, how to make yourself resilient to online dating rejection. So on to part one, Jia Jang and the Resilience Movement. You're going to hear that word a lot on today's episode, resilience. Resilience is both the tough, gritty American answer to rejection and the answer being toted by self-help gurus. Resilience is listed as the number one predictor of success in today's job market. You have to have resilience to get rejected by your first job pick, your first partner, your top pick for an Ivy League college. Hell, Everything comes with the risk of rejection. So what can we learn from Jia Jang? And what three myths can we bust using science and history? Part one, you're either built resilient or you're not. Some people just don't seem to be phased by rejection. So why is that? Part two, all rejection hurts, but do all forms of rejection hurt equally? 
if there are different flavors of rejection, which one is the most scarring? Part three, really? Can we really desensitize ourselves to rejection? And if we can't grow true resilience, are there other coping mechanisms for rejection? But first, Joe and I are going to talk about why we chose this episode. And maybe we'll reveal a few of our own brutal rejection stories. So, um, Todd, have, have I ever told you about the time I was rejected for a writer's group? No. Okay, so for the listener, um, Todd often says that I'm an award-winning writer, and that's that's partially true. It's 100% uh, true. It's it, well, yes, it is. It is, but it's it's usually minor awards for for like big game stuff. So like I've got um, a second place in the national, and then honorable mentions in a couple of international. Um, so so I'm 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 at the foothills. I'm not like a, a mega writer or anything. Um, but I I share that not to to degrade what I've done. It's actually to to put it into context that I was in a a pretty well known writers guild. Um, or a writer's group in Portland. Uh, and I won't say their name, uh, not because not I'm afraid of hurting anybody, but uh, just because it, it would probably, people would know who I'm talking about. Um, so I was trying to get into what's called a Clarion-style writer's group where everyone shares their work week by week. And when it came my turn to share what I was working on, um, I did such a bad job of explaining what I was doing that I was rejected from sharing. You couldn't even have a... They canceled your soul? They, they canceled me sharing before they could see it. So it was like I, I wasn't even allowed to hand them my work so that they could look at it. And that was completely on me. But it was, it was such a startling rejection that... And the fun thing, uh, in that next year, I placed second. Uh, and it's an open national contest. So it was a big contest at the time. Well, and I think you should uh, share with our listeners, too, when you place what that means, what percentage you are, how many people submitted, where were you at? <laughs> um, for that one, I, I don't remember how many submitted exactly that year, um, but it, they, they told me afterward. Uh, I, I'm, I'm such a boob. I showed up in um, slacks or, or just like Dockers and a polo shirt. Everyone who showed up to the award ceremony was in a tuxedo or a like like a, a dress that looked like they're going to prom, and and what I they give you a big tag that says winner, so people will go up and bother you, and I'm I'm not good at that, um, so it, it it probably means for that year of the people submitting, I was within the top ninety five percent, and so I, I was very clearly skilled enough to write, but not good enough to to be like i was i was definitely rejected the the embarrassing way from a writer's group so that is, that is my professional rejection story that left sting and as we'll find out from this episode there are ways to deal with it and i did not use those good ways so do you have a um so i'm not here uh, alone weeping in the corner do you have a <laughs> do you have a rejection story to share i do i I got, there was a, a job as for Capital One as a regional manager, and they hire out, They were hiring out of the Dallas office. And so there was 100 people that were qualified who had had auto finance experience in car dealerships or with the finance companies. So 100 qualified applicants. Okay. It was down to two of us. Oh. I got flown into Dallas, and then they, they picked me up at the airport in a limo. Wow. With, with the other applicant. 
So, <laughs> so we rode in this limo together, and we're kind of looking at each other, and we're never been a limo before, never. Mm-hmm. And he, we're facing each other, and we're kind of feeling each other out. We're asking where you work, where you work. I'm seeing how <laughs> tall he is. You know what I mean? A little younger, a little handsome, a little taller, a little smarter. This is like the Dark Knight. Are they going to give you like a knife to fight over or something? <laughs> I mean, it was great. They had our, our names on signs and everything. It was really cool. <laughs> so I'm getting more nervous. Right. I almost threw up when I got there. I started sweating. I had blood pressure issues even when I was younger. And he's not sweating. He doesn't look <laughs> nervous. He looks perfect. He's got he's he's got a college degree. He's got more time in dealership. He's got more time out in the field. And I really need this job. The pay was twice of what I was making and... I told everybody about it, my wife and everything. <laughs> and at the end of the interview, it was very intense. We had to do um, testing with different math things, problem solving. It was a long day. I saw the two hiring managers walking out with him arm in arm. Oh, God. <laughs> like, yeah, like they're fraternity brothers, you know, like they right. just won the Super Bowl together. Right. It's like that Simpsons episode. They're singing the same college fight song while they're <laughs> walking out. <laughs> so. I rode back to the airport with him and him, you know, that, that big smile on him, like, right. You're wasting your time, kid. You're not ready for the big, like, like how you felt at this thing. We weren't ready for the show yet. (laughs) Right. So he got the job. So, uh, what did you do to console yourself about rejection? Was there, was there a plan? No, because, um, just go get another job to start taking action, start re-interviewing, start. Okay, that's that's healthy. That taking action again—that's good. But that, that was on necessity to, to to keep food on the table. Right. My 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 consolation method was um, at the time it was uh, first beer and then bitterness. Like I. <laughs> so, I, but I, I think don't need these sons of bitches. Right. Exactly. I think that's how writers do. Is it's yeah. First it's it's yeah. It's a coping mechanism and then bitterness that gets you by. And I do actually know this story and and what Joe's not sharing is. Probably if he handed him a book, you get a book deal when you go to these, for how well you placed in that in that contest. Yeah, it it, it that is actually the the big takeaway. If we're going to be really sharing life lessons, it's not just how to deal with rejection, um, but oftentimes when you when you place at a contest like that, you're expected to to show up ready to pitch to editors and and to discuss what you can do with people. And I, in my life at that time, I was not ready. I, I was more just showing off, hey, look, I can write. And, and I, I should have showed up ready to sell, basically. I think we all need to be a little bit, I would say, embarrassed to know we need to over-prepare. Because we feel like we're already good enough. And Right. But this actually um, segues quite nicely because you and I both had an experience of professional rejection uh, and both of us, not only um, could we have learned from being extra prepared when we went, but also uh, we both seem to have figured out the specifics of why we got rejected. And that is so very valuable. Uh, we're going to get into that in our third um, myth point when we talk about today's episode. We'll get into how to deal with rejection in a healthy way, in a way that you can learn from it and identify why it happened, which is very important. So could you could you share with us um, a bit on how Jia Zhang uh, got used to rejection? What, what did he do to start building his resilience? Okay, on the first day, Jia Zhang asked a security guard if he could borrow $100. He didn't give a reason for needing the money. He just did it because he knew it sounded ridiculous. Jia Zhang had a blog of just ridiculous things he was going to ask people. And 
this one, the security guard thing was number one. It is weird he picked a security guard instead of like somebody who is wealthy that he sees every day. <laughs> but so he was specifically asking somebody who probably couldn't fork over the money. Um, naturally, he was rejected, and the mm-hmm. guard asked why Jia Jang needed the money, and Jia Jang just ran away. Okay. <laughs> so, not not figuring out why the rejection happened, just getting away. Yeah, and that's the wrong rejection. Why did Why did you stand there and give an explanation? Say my my mother's sick, or I need a wear ride home. Something that would appeal and actually get that rejection turned over, or get fifty bucks. Yeah. Even if he had just told the truth, just said, I'm trying to get rejected, that would have been funny. Like, I think somebody would have respected that. Yeah, I'm doing this um, therapy thing, and right. I'm trying to be a best-selling author on TED Talk, watch <laughs> 9 million views. <laughs> right. So our first myth, why do some people seem to have resilience to rejection while others don't? How baked into us is rejection? And how much should it sting, really? Uh, so, Todd, when we started this project, I really wanted to know why we feel rejection. I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I really feel like in today's world with online dating and politics, basically how jobs work, everything really seems to be uh, geared toward narcissists and people who don't feel rejection. Like, like I really feel like um, being being sensitive to rejection... Um, it, it kind of feels like uh, I'm at a disadvantage in today's world. Like, like getting hurt too much when rejection hits me seems like it's wildly disadvantageous. It's a weakness. And that's, I always think that because I've been in sales and done cold calling, but on personal things, when I hit rejected from a romantic interest or whatever, it, it hurts me 10 times more. And I always feel I'm weak for being too sensitive. Yeah, that, that, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah, weak from being sensitive. Um, so I, I went looking for science. Like I want to know why do people feel rejection at all? Like if it's such a weakness, if it means you won't get a good job, and if it means that you know the girl leaving you at the bar is going to hurt so bad that you don't go back, what's the point? Yeah, you give up too soon. Like if you would have kept going, it's like, but I can't take that too many times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah re- really, success seems totally hinged on, on being rejection-proof. Yeah, that's what they say. The people who have made the most success have been, have been bankrupt the most times, have been turned down the most times. Right. The, 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 old, uh, the old, you know, the yarn about uh, Edison uh, getting rejected for, for, you know, grants and, and failing over and over again and feeling that sting. I was thinking of Vince Vaughn. He was, a, he was waiting tables, doing auditions for six oh, years. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking about after about six months, I would say, well, you know what? I'm going to move back home with mom. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can't take anymore. Yeah. So we're going to find out through today's episode how to become Vince Vaughn, basically. We can all try. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but generally, we want to be rejection proof. Less funny, Vince Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. Wildly less. Um, so my, my first... Uh, foray into the science of rejection was not to the self-help gurus. I found a guy online named uh, Dr. Guy Winch. Um, He's had a bunch of studies come out. Um, You can read through his stuff on Psychology Today, as well as a lot of really well-credited sources. And he he started out looking into rejection, and he he came up with a a test that has been adopted um, at a couple of places. 
he called it the waiting room ball test. And there's also a version of this called the cyber ball test. And we'll, we'll reference that throughout this uh, episode too. And basically what it means is imagine you are sitting in a waiting room and you see me and another guy sitting there. And we all start playing ball. We pass a little foam rubber ball to you and then you pass it to the other guy and then the other guy passes it back to me. And we just do that. We do a circle. And then after a while, I start passing it just to the other guy and then he passes it back to me and we just completely leave you out. We're, we're no longer playing with you. We're just passing it between us. How bad do you think that would that would hurt? I'm thinking of as a kid when you're not allowed to play with the other kids. It, it bugs you. Right. Yeah. Deeply. Deeply, yes. <laughs> My turn. Yeah. It, it, it feels like almost like a game of keep away, but an adult version. Like you're, nobody's – as an adult, you're not going to jump off, off the couch and go run over and grab the ball or, or do what you do in keep away, which is jump for it. Um, but it turns out uh, um, if you do that without telling someone you're going to, it hurts. People, feel, yeah, the yeah. pain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people, Just you describing it, I could feel like, hey, yo, it's my turn. Yeah, people get mad, even though even though it's it's completely childish. It means nothing. It's just a waiting room game of ball. Um, being left out like that still hurts, and it's more about the rudeness. People who participated in this, they talked about they're like it was just rude. Like they just left me out, and and they made eye contact. That bothered people too. Is like they they had people who. Uh, so so if you're part of this, it's it's more about the the signal it's sending to you. Not so much about getting to play with the ball. As an adult, that doesn't matter anymore. Um, so they did this test. And this test comes up, again, multiple times throughout different studies. But this was their baseline. This is how they got people to feel rejection. And then they would bring them in to a functional MRI and scan their brain. And they found out something very, very interesting about rejection. Rejection... Uh, uh, piggybacks or utilizes the same circuit your brain that feels emotional pain and part of the circuit that feels real pain like physical pain so like the parts of your brain uh, but by the way all this amateur neurology that we've talked about throughout the the episodes this has really taught me that our brains are are very simple mechanisms like like there are, there are parts of your brain that, that are used, like a, a circuit or one type of system will be used for multiple things in your body because it doesn't want to come up with new circuits. Like you would think that rejection would be its own special type of pain. It's not. It uses circuits that are there for other types of pain. And it's uh, uh, so um, simple and primitive. Uh, they found out you can literally take Tylenol to reduce the feelings of rejection. <laughs> Tylenol? I am not kidding. The, this study and multiple others, they called it um, emotional analgesics. And what that means is you can, there are certain painkillers. Specifically, they said they tested it with Tylenol. And so when people felt emotionally rejected, they'd take Tylenol. It would make them feel better. So for the headache, snapping of your finger, you know, broken finger. And rejection. Rejection on a date. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was kind of delightful for me to learn that we we really are that simple. Why not try it? Right. Yeah, don't go crazy. Just take a couple, like <laughs> take a headache's worth. Yeah. Um, so so we have a very simple system in our head to make us feel rejection and to feel it like it's pain. So it really is rejection pain. So why do we experience this in the first place? I, I mean, in, in today's world, like we were saying, it feels like it's a weakness. Well, uh, I, I read a couple of, of 
articles about this and and a lot of the uh, anecdotal sort of thought is that we feel rejection keenly because early humans uh, being rejected would basically mean death. Um, You're cast out of the tribe and on your own you will starve. Yeah, exactly. It, my friend group, if if I don't want to hang out with those guys, I just I'm just like, well, tough. I'm I'm done with their negativity, and I walk away and I find a new group. Uh, I, we live in the city metro area, so it's very easy to go find more people to hang out with. However, in in ancient you know ancient man, if if you got tired of the people around you or you got rejected from the group, you can't just say nuts to you guys. I'm gonna go find a new group of friends. It meant that you were alone wandering for years before you found another group, probably into the jaws of like a, a saber-toothed cat. Which is one of the reasons people don't want to public speak, because back then, too, you get cast out. Or if you didn't have a husband or a wife, you were seen as something was wrong with you and cast out. Right. That is a very good point. Is uh, this, this is an extension of why are people afraid of public speaking why are people afraid of breaking up in person like it really explains so many of our personal fears really it just comes down to an actual pain you can feel and it comes down to ostracization means death your body knows this your your brain is hardwired to feel this being ostracized being rejected means death and I'll just go on a limb and say 100% of our listeners have had a broken heart that hurt so bad it was worse than any surgery, car accident they've ever been in. That is such a... Okay, so you you led me right into our next point, which is fantastic. Um, so, so we are the product of a line of humans who hurt the most when they got rejected. Otherwise, we wouldn't have survived this long as a species. And this also means that our brain prioritizes emotional pain over physical. So you talking about the surgery and the car accidents, you'll remember broken bones less than you'll remember being snubbed by your crush, say, or, or being kicked off of a team. You, your, your brain actually usually remembers uh, um, emotional uh, pain, emotional rejection longer than you'll remember physical pain. So another point on what rejection does to you. <clears throat> uh, rejection can temporarily lower your IQ. Um, it, it can mess up your short-term memory and decision-making. Uh, this comes from Psychology Today, which are 10 surprising facts about rejection. Um, basically, rejection not only hurts, it temporarily makes it difficult for you to function. Like, it, it, it reduces memory and it, it makes it tough to focus. Um, so it's not just the pain you're avoiding in rejection, uh, it, it's the feeling discombobulated for a little while. It's not just feelings. It's not just feelings. And it's not just a, why am I so weak, born weakness. It's more like, no, you're the product of people who felt rejection keenly. And that's how they survived to today's era. So it's not a weakness. It's something that was built into you. On the second day of his planned rejection, Gia Jang approached a chef at a fast food restaurant for a burger refill. He held up the empty Raptor. After he ate his burger, in the same way you might ask for a drink refill at McDonald's. He asked for a burger refill. Of course, Jia Jang made this up. There's no such thing as a burger refill. And he was rejected by the fast food clerk. But this time, when the clerk asked why, Jia Jang didn't run away. Instead, he explained that he liked their burgers, loved their burgers, and he was still hungry. They didn't give Jia Jang another burger, but he said in his TED Talk, quote, 
The life and death feeling from the first time was no longer there. Just because I stayed engaged because I didn't run. Jia Jing has implied that by being engaged in recreating the rejection a second time, he had begun to build resilience. So now we want to know what happens if you get rejected too many times. What happens when somebody is so ostracized socially and why do tiny social rejections like being excluded from another kid's birthday party hurt worse than big rejections like losing out on a new job? Okay, so now I have a question. Um, what types in your life, what types of rejections have hurt the worst? Romantic. Romantic. That's a good answer. Um, I, I think for me, it's probably the same. I think it's social rejection. I think I take it far less badly when it's rejected from like a team or from like a job or something. I always assume there's like a, a technical reason. It wasn't directed toward me. Let me go back on the romantic one. I think it's just people. People. Like when I was a kid, you know, some bullying stuff. and I, th- I think it's a pretty fair way to look at it. Yeah, people People in general, that, that face-to-face rejection is harsh. So that is, um, according to the APA, which is where I got most of this information from, um, you're right. Rejections are not all equal. Not all rejections hurt the same amount. Not all rejections will elicit the same sort of... Uh, pain and and brief you know memory problems uh, I'm gonna uh, again quoting from the APA here social rejection increases anger anxiety depression jealousy and sadness it reduces performance on difficult intellectual tasks and can also contribute to aggression and poor impulse control physically too rejection takes a toll people who routinely feel excluded have poor sleep quality and their immune system doesn't function as well as those with strong social connections. So what this tells me, to to reflect on this a bit, social rejection hurts more. It also has uh, harsher uh, consequences. Um, So the whole notion of of toughening up, the the toughen up approach, the resilience approach to repeated social rejection, that may not work. Uh, If you're you're being ostracized actively, if, if people at work are trying to push you out, or if, if your family is, is taking it out on you and you're feeling rejection day by day, um, that's not really something you can necessarily toughen up against. That, that's more something you have to change your position about. You have to find a new social group or you have to move on. So the whole thing about um, uh, the, the ancient man look at it where you can't find a new social group, that's why you have this pain mechanism in place. We're in the modern world, so we can actually find a new social group if that is an option. But it's hard when you're trying to get back in with your family, get along with siblings. There's these ongoing rifts. It's like the dulling pain. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm someone who has two years of door-to-door sales, which is supposed to be the hardest thing in the world. But I can tell you that I've had family problems that are way more painful than knocking on <laughs> doors and getting them slammed in my face. Yes, you went to a job that actually, like, rejection is part of the job, and it still doesn't hurt as much as a social rejection. But I could still be dwelling on something while that's going on for my personal life that's way worse. Yes, absolutely. Um, So to reinforce this, we're going to go to a study from Purdue University. Um, Purdue University used something called the Cyberball model, which is the same as our waiting room ball toss game that we talked about 
where three people are tossing a ball to each other. Two people leave someone out. Um, but they really want to know. Um, they did multiple tests to find out um, how much they could make people, incentivize people to not feel hurt. So one of the studies they did, they took African-American students and they gave them the cyberball model where they were supposed to feel rejection. But the guys that were leaving them out of the game were Ku Klux Klan members. So they were, they were told during the study. I don't know if they actually were. It was probably just anecdotal. They probably were doing it online because it's cyberball and it's with headphones. So they're probably right. just like, by the way, these guys that are about to leave you out are, are Ku Klux Klan members. Where do we find some Klansmen? We'll put an ad I know, in yeah. Craig, Craigslist. Yeah, th- this was, this again, it was done on computer, but that would have been so much better to see them in a waiting room. Just like one guy sits down and then there's just two guys in hoods playing ball. <laughs> it's like the start of a far side comic. But um, so th- playing uh, cyberball and being rejected by two obvious racist members from a group that doesn't like you, apparently, uh, quote, did not dampen the pain of exclusion. No matter how hard you push, people are hurt by ostracism. So even though it was somebody he would never want to play ball with, ostensibly, uh, rejection still hurt. Another one, uh, another test they did. Um, they gave people uh, or, or told people they were going to pay them uh, when they were rejected. So, like, they were earning money by being rejected, and it still hurt. Like, it, it still had the same paying mechanism in place. So, really, you can't incentivize people enough to get rejected and make it not hurt. Well, I've had this happen. Um, when I used to go to sales training things, I usually bring in sales reps from all over the country. And we get together, there's this big, we have to fit in with each other. So I've seen this over and over. We start, we start talking about where we've worked. We're trying to build our credibility. Right. And even if we don't like these people or we're not, they're not people we'd be friends with, we want them to accept us. We don't want to be outcasts. We want to be kind of the cool kids. And these are 30-year-olds, 4-year-olds doing this. Right. Yeah, grown adults who, who otherwise shouldn't care. Mm-hmm. And it's very ugly to see the older you get. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's the strangest for me is when it's people that you shouldn't care what they think. Like you're never going to see them again. You're only at a conference with them briefly, and still you're like you need them to to accept you on an emotional level. And even saying hi to you and being polite and right. So um, with these studies, when they when they looked at it, they said most people move into um, after the initial pain of rejection. Most people move into something called an appraisal stage. Uh, in which they take stock and formulate their next steps. So um, basically, we think of all forms of ostracism as immediately painful, but the most pernicious forms, the, the forms of ostracism and rejection that we really take to heart are, are these appraisal phases where we decide why we were rejected. So when we, we, we've had earlier episodes about, well, one of them just came out, the Arthur Bremer in Loneliness, where we talked about how he was ostracized. And he was a weirdo, so it was easy to ostracize him. Nobody really blamed his you know, family and friends for not wanting to hang with him. Um, but this is really teaching me that rejection for anybody hurts, but it makes it so much worse and so much longer lasting if it is a social rejection multiple times a day. That this can absolutely crush somebody. It can put it basically can put them into a, a, a semi permanent state of pain. It causes mental illness. Right. Yeah. It, it it may not cause it, but it certainly will contribute to it. 
So this leads me to ask, how did Jia Zhang start overcoming this? Because he was giving himself pain intentionally. So I was wondering if there's like some sort of breakthrough that he had. On the third day, Jia Zhang walked into Krispy Kreme Donut Shop, and he asked the woman at the counter for a Olympic Donuts. Now, Olympic Donuts are something else made up from his challenge. Again, the plan for Jia Zhang was to get himself rejected. So he asked for a series of five donuts that were colored interlinked, just like the Olympic rings. He expected to be laughed at. In his talk, Jia Zhang said this was the moment his life turned upside down. He watched the woman at Krispy Kreme take out a notepad, design the interlinked colored donuts. And after 15 minutes in the back, she came back with a box of donuts that looked exactly like the symbol of the Olympic Games. <laughs> Again, if you haven't seen this TED video, we really encourage you to watch it. It's a good one. Remember, we're only on Ji Jang's third rejection, and he's already started to get over his fear. Is this a fluke? Is Jia actually become resilient after three attempts? And according to science, can we really desensitize ourselves or the speedy recover after rejection is the best we could hope for? Okay, so now we get into uh, why we designed this episode, why we, why we started this episode. Um, so you may notice in this episode that we're just having Todd kind of go through Jia Zhang's, um, uh, his TED Talk points, and that we're not doing a lot of our own back and forth about the history today, and that's for a specific purpose. One, we want you to go watch the TED Talk. And two, uh, taking his TED Talk and trying to answer it as if it's a question being asked uh, was our whole goal today because we really wanted to know for ourselves. This isn't, this isn't about, I mean, we, we definitely want to help people, but this was really just Todd and I wanting to know how do we stop feeling bad about rejection. So first off, can we desensitize ourselves uh, like uh, the TED Talks you know, suggests? Um, so we already talked about the Tylenol, which, by the way, I told my aunt about that, and she loved it. She, she was joking that she would just take a handful of Tylenol whenever she needed, you know, <laughs> a, to, to ask anyone anything tough, like for a, a raise or something. You have a bottle everywhere you go. So you oh, now, <laughs> yeah. You didn't hear my, my pills rattling when I came in today? Because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. I had some harsh questions to ask you, Todd, so give me a moment. I'm going to take some Tylenol first. <laughs> um, so here's, here's how we're going to get into it. We're going to first discuss recovery from rejection, how to make it quicker, how to feel better faster, and how to get your life back on track after rejection. And then we're going to talk about desensitization, how to actually toughen yourself up according to science. So first, again, we're going to go with um, our, our rejection doctor, Dr. Guy Winch. Um, he talks about positive affirmations. Um, actually, lots and lots of self-help gurus talk about positive affirmations. Um, could I could I impose upon you, Todd, to to tell us a couple of positive affirmations? Um, there's no weeds in the garden. Look at the bright side. You know, you have to be bigger than that. Yeah, those are those are all good. They're, my favorite is from Saturday Night Live, the old episodes, where he looks in the mirror and he's like, "You're smart enough. You're you're yeah. good enough." And gosh darn it, people like you. Now, Joe's more stoic than I am, but, the, you know, I've been a self, 
a self-help reader my whole life and we're both rolling our eyes we're being sarcastic yeah here. this is tongue-in-cheek because we don't believe and this is what i've always said and i anyone who knows me i talk about this thing everyone says not to not to worry about it you need to get over it until that thing happens to them yes and, and then, then they crushed. lose their effing mind. Yes. <laughs> and then if you remind them, you said, "Hey, you said it's no big deal. People come and go. You know, you don't. You miss some job opportunities. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of fish in the sea. <laughs> there'll be other houses. Whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. You'll see when their kids misbehave at school, they lose their mind. Right. When your kids misbehave at school, they say, "Oh, they're kids. You know how it is." Yeah, there's plenty of fish in the sea, and then you see them crying over a hole in the ice while they drop in a, a line with no bait. That's, yeah. There, there's, there, there is a certain amount of positive affirmation that helps, but here's the the real difference maker. Positive affirmations work, but your brain can tell when it's BS. Everyone has a, a, a belief system in their head. Positive affirmations do not work if you're telling yourself things that you yourself don't believe, even if it's in that moment. If rejection made you feel like you're less than. If rejection made you feel ugly or stupid or, or like you weren't enough, giving yourself positive affirmations about that will not help. No, it knocks you on your ass. It floors you. Right. So instead of magical thinking or trying to convince, convince yourself of things your brain doesn't think is true at that moment or you know aren't true, here's what you do instead. Make a, a list I mean it. Make a physical written list. Todd and I will do this for fun later. Uh, make a list of five values that you know you absolutely have. Things that are, are just incontrovertible truths to you as a person. Write a brief essay about each one of those listed items. So I would, I would probably write on mine uh, a hard worker, studier. Like I would write things that I, I know that somebody can't take away from me. No amount of rejection on earth would be able to remove it. Uh, I might even uh, put in, you know, uh, clever at parties maybe because <laughs> I can talk some politics. So whenever you make your list, whatever's on it, make sure it's true. And when you, when you write little essays about those things, make them true as well. So each one of your points, maybe a paragraph or two, is what it deserves. Um, the next thing that will help you, uh, after you've reviewed your positives, have a zero-tolerance policy for self-criticism. Uh, review what happened in the rejection and what you can do differently in the future, but don't chastise yourself for what happened. Don't berate yourself. Circumstances really do play a much bigger part in rejection than we give credit for. Step away and measure what went wrong and why. What was within your control and what wasn't. Yes. But get out of that emotional. Take us one step back. A little bit of time buffer. Yes. And according to Guy Winch, doing these two things, uh, real positive affirmations by making a realistic list that you, that you not just don't believe in, but that you know is incontrovertible about, your, incontrovertible about yourself, and then also giving yourself no room to criticize. That really, really does help. And remember, you're dealing with other imperfect humans. Yes. And they may not be right. Yes, absolutely. Consider the source. <laughs> right. Like I said, most rejection is circumstantial. And I can tell myself that. I can, I can listen to this episode back and hear it from my own voice. And I know rejection will still sting. But, but a lot of it is circumstance. Now we're going to get into uh, basically the reason we're doing this episode desensitization 
Can you toughen up to rejection? Now, Todd, how often have you heard people tell you toughen up after you've been rejected? Yeah, different ways, but yeah, I heard for years, my whole life. Yeah, I think that more from parts beat into you when you're young. Yes, I hear I hear it phrased different ways depending who's saying it. Guys, guy friends of mine who are like really tough guys, they say toughen up. The the actual literal words toughen up to rejection, resilience. Um, whereas, uh, most of like my, you know, uh, women in my life, you know, my, my aunt, people who, people I coach, they will tell me in different ways to toughen up. They will say that you need to, uh, um, be used to, to having things not work out or, or, or try, you know, again and multiple times. So it, it really is actually just the same as toughen up. So this is also known as rejection therapy. It's a new sort of self-help trend. And the idea is enough repetitions, almost like um, uh, like exposure therapy, that doing it enough times is supposed to make you used to it. Your brain will eventually overcome or, or be so used to the rejections that it, it just doesn't react anymore. Now, the reason this doesn't really work, the reason why Jia Zhang's TED Talk may have gotten the, uh, the essence correct, but the message slightly wrong, if we could go so far as to say that, According to science, every rejection is completely different. The circumstances are different. The settings are different. The variables are different. Uh, you get rejected at the office versus rejected in a bar. The Everything is different. The stakes, right? Yes. The stakes are different. One could be finances. Another could be your future mate. Uh, another circumstance could be you know, uh, as small and simple as getting LinkedIn donuts from a donut shop. Um, and because things are so very different, you can't wire yourself to be rejection-proof in the same way for all rejection. And we're more sensitive and less sensitive to things as we age, right? It just change. Yeah, absolutely. Things bother us more because we get these cranky old men. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we get set in our ways. and then crabby. Yeah. <laughs> Being rejected at the, the restaurant that won't bring me the same type of meal every day becomes devastating if, you know, at a certain age. Um, so you can you can become temporarily desensitized to certain types of rejections just by repetition, but not all rejection. That's unrealistic to expect yourself to be hardened against all types. So now we want to talk about what works. We don't want to be one of those negative podcasts that just says, well, this is BS, and then we move on. We want actionable techniques. We want to feel better. We want to feel better. And that's not we, the, the royal we on the podcast. That's me and Todd want to feel better. And you guys are on, along for the ride for now. So what works? Um, this, I got this from uh, Northeastern University and George Mason University. Um, in a study about rejection, uh, so here are the steps they put down. And I want you to tell me how counterintuitive they are, if these sound natural to you. First, they say, embrace the negative emotion. Feel the pain and feel the anger and take a moment to analyze your feelings. That, to me, seems a bit counterintuitive. Have you ever done that before, aside from just brooding and wallowing? I knew what you talked about before where I just kind of go off and storm and <laughs> yeah. scheme. <laughs> I, I sulk and I self-insult a lot. I, I tell myself that I'm not being, I'm not good enough for you know or i'm not smart enough like rejections hit me hard and i immediately blame myself i don't, I don't deserve and 
And then I still, in the same way, discredit that person. Yeah. But still feel worse about me. Like, yeah. I deserve this because I did this. They're not, they don't even match up, but. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. Um, so when we say embrace the negative emotion, feel the pain, uh, analyze your feelings, we're talking about something that I have discovered in this paper called, uh, I have discovered, the paper discovered and, and told me about. It's called emotional granularity. And here's how it works and, and how to use it. During the 9-11 attacks, uh, reporters stopped people who were running around to ask them how they were feeling. So literally while the buildings are crumbling, they're stopping people in the street and they're asking, how do you feel about this? Or they're calling people up. I'm not sure exactly how they, they stop people, but they stopped them during the, the attacks and asked, how do you feel? Um, so these are two different reactions. One person reacted by saying, uh, quote, my first reaction was terrible sadness. But the second reaction was that of anger, because you can't do anything with sadness. Another person they asked how they felt about the attack said, I feel a bunch of things I couldn't put my finger on, maybe anger, uh, maybe confusion. I just felt bad on September 11th. Really bad. Now, the difference between those two, the, the first respondent said terrible sadness, uh, but then anger because you can't do anything about sadness. The other person could just come up with really bad. Um, so the first responder had what is called emotional granularity. They identify the emotion. They identify what they could do with it, like what, what you can do with, with sadness. And then they said they transitioned it to anger because there's nothing you can do about sadness. So not only did they identify the emotion, they identified what it was doing, and they identified how to change that emotion into something more productive. The other respondent just said, really bad that's just sulking but anger is actually offensive yes i hate to say it todd but when we talk about sulking after being rejected that was probably not the correct way to go uh (laughs) pissed off yeah monkey man that's yes (laughs) that i can do me me knuckle dragging and throwing (laughs) stuff across the room yeah um so emotional granularity is knowing what the emotion is what you can do with it how it affects you um, and they found during the study that um, granularity sometimes literally means searching for new words. Um, so in, in sort of a two-step process here, first, um, what type of rejection are you getting? Is the client, is it an investor or a client that's rejecting you? Is the rejection from a colleague or vendor? Is it a potential hookup or a potential partner? Um, so the first part of granularity is what type of rejection is this? Like, how, how bad does it really affect my life? If people are playing ball in a waiting room, how much is that actually going to affect me on the big scale? You and I kind of touched on that a little bit already. And then the second part of granularity is um, what emotion is the rejection causing? Uh, label it with as much accuracy as possible. Um, don't just ask if it's, it's justified. Uh, don't try to justify it. Just identify it. That's your only job. Your, your job as the person being rejected is just to identify what the emotion is and be able to label it with as much exactness as possible. Put it in a box. Put it in a box. Because once you label it, you own it. You, you, you have found the truth, and that means you can do anything you want with it. Um, they found through the study uh, that um, they had 40% less uh, instance of alcohol abuse in people who are able to lower the emotional uh, differentiation, or not, sorry, to, to better label. Um, 
and people who are better at uh, working through their emotions uh, or, or to label and work through it once it was granular, um, they were less likely to be aggressive afterward, 20 to 50% less likely. So once people had labeled the emotion accurately, they were able to cope with it. And they, they weren't left as mad. They weren't as, as likely to hurt themselves or someone else. So um, if you absolutely uh, uh, need to, I mean, you, this is completely a legit way to approach granularity. Break open a thesaurus. I mean, literally get online when you're working through a rejection. Find a, a dictionary or a thesaurus and try to explain the feelings of rejection in as exact uh, uh, method as possible. And then, and then once you know it, you can analyze it and, and you can sort of work through the truth of it, which is completely opposite to what this TED Talk advises and completely opposite to what gurus are currently advising. And I think we're right and he's wrong. I would like to think that just because we found the answer. So. <laughs> no, I, I really, um, after reading this, after reading the, the evolution of, of rejection, I, I believe it. I really do think that dealing with it is better than just trying to callous yourself forever by being rejected 100 days in a row. And rejection is a lot more serious than a burger refill and 100 bucks and Olympic yeah. donuts in real life. Yeah, being rejected from a job or, or being rejected by uh, a potential partner, it stings so much worse. But <laughs> by your own family. Yeah. Asking for ridiculous stuff. Um, now, now, he does say in his TED Talk that he's doing it because um, he's, he's painfully, painfully afraid of rejection to the point where um, these minor things he's asking for, these ridiculous things, I really do believe there's therapy in it. He is finding it therapeutic, and his TED Talk... It really is great, everybody. We're not, we're not, we're not crapping on his his journey. It really is fun to listen to him talk about this and the glee he has getting what he's asking for. You know, every once in a while, it's it's fantastic. Near the end of Jia Jang's talk, he put emphasis on the fact: the more he got rejected, the more he began focusing on the why of the rejection, and that's when his resiliency really took hold. Or in other words, he began to analyze the reaction he was having, and he labeled that emotion. With a security guard he tried to borrow money from, he talked about being afraid and running away. With his burger refill, he talked about feeling silly for asking, knowing that he'd be rejected. And with the Olympic ring donuts, Jang said he was shocked when he wasn't rejected at all. He left ecstatic. Perhaps Jia Jang didn't gain rejection resilience at all. Perhaps what he learned were techniques like engagement, being able to feel the identity of the emotion after a rejection, and determining the why behind the rejection after the fact. Rejection doesn't just sting. It doesn't just make us feel small for a moment and then we move on. Rejection sticks with you. Rejection literally hurts. And if you let it, rejection can leave you vulnerable long-term. A bad rejection from a job can devalue your skills. And all the myths that we've been fed about toughening ourselves up against rejection are exposing ourselves until we're calloused against rejection. Well, they're just exactly that, myths. The science, the data, and the history give us a more complete picture on how to deal with rejection. Let yourself feel it. Embrace the rejection, feel it, analyze why you're feeling it, what exactly caused the rejection, was it circumstance, 
Was it a mismatch of skills? Write down why you were rejected. Write down how you felt in granular details. Label the emotion. Take out a thesaurus so you can get specific. Own it and see the truth behind the rejection and your reaction to it. Finally, if you're still having trouble after a tough rejection, make an honest list of your values and write a few paragraphs about each value on your list. You'll probably come to the conclusion that it wasn't you who were being rejected, but some combination of circumstances, timing, and poor fit. And remember, if nothing else works, take a Tylenol. You've been listening to The Reengineered You. Thank you so much for listening to this show. You mean the world to us. We have a new episode every week. Next week, we'll be discussing rejection part two, why we get rejected by potential romantic partners, and more importantly, what we can do about it. You can connect with us at www.re-engineeredyou.com, where we have research links and blog articles for each of our episodes. We appreciate any feedback you have for us, and we love spirited debates. We're not experts in anything, but we've got an opinion on everything. Okay, we're also trying to read uh, our five-star reviews on Apple. I just wanted to read this one because it was funny. Uh, This one is labeled, From Napa Valley, Neil, Self-Reflective Synergies. And the review just says, Todd! (laughs) So his name is longer than the review? It is, yes. I bet this is one of my knucklehead buddies from the gym. That that would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you, everyone that leaves us a review on iTunes. It it really is appreciated, and it really does help us. It gets our metrics out. So. But if you like this show, you could probably write more than a one word name, one <laughs> syllable name review, though. Oh no, you're making our job easier. I like this. I, I want like thirty reviews that all just say Todd exclamation. <laughs>